This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Travis Watts. Travis is a full-time investor, passive income advocate, public speaker, and the director of investor education at Ashcroft Capital. He dedicates his time to educating investors who are looking to be hands-off when it comes to real estate investing. Travis was awarded the Linda's Industry Impact Award in 2022. Welcome, Travis. It's great to have you on this show. Thanks so much, Matt. Thrilled to be here, man. Very good. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? Oh, boy. That's a story. Um, <laughs> let, let's make it brief here. So, I was a guy that came out of college really not knowing what he wanted to do. So I was a, a drummer, a singer and band. So I thought maybe I want to go tour with musicians. So I went to school for live show production and audio mixing and things like that. Quickly realized what that industry was all about. Didn't really want to have that type of career <laughs> as I was actually embedded in it. So I went back to Colorado started working in oil and gas because that was kind of, you know, the, the thing that was happening that paid the best with very, you know, little skill set required, just the ability to, uh, you know, work your butt off and, and work overseas and out of state and stuff like that. So I did that for the income. And so I could ultimately invest in real estate. So real estate started in 2009 for me, started with single family homes got into fix and flips, vacation rentals, buy and holds, had roommates, did a lot of the, the house hacking stuff, and uh, ultimately got hyper-focused on passive income, got really, really into passive income, and started teaching people passive income, and built financial independence out of passive income. And so that's kind of been my messaging since around 2015 through today, is helping coach people what is passive income how does it work what are the different asset classes you can invest in and you know the the foundation of my portfolio has been around multifamily which i know you know you're you're a big fan of as well and we can get into that stuff later so um basically joined forces with joe fairless at ashcroft capital to do educational events so i could get on stage and on podcasts and on webinars and just get the word out to a broader audience than what I could otherwise do on my own. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell, simplified. <laughs> nice, nice. So when you're talking to people who are looking at starting to invest passively into real estate, what sort of advice do you offer them? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, first of all, most of us are never taught about passive income investing, right? We're taught about equity. We're taught about buy low, sell high, buy a stock at $10, hopefully it goes to 15, put money in an IRA, wait several decades, and then hopefully it's worth a larger amount than whatever it is you put in. So you really have to do a lot of self-education. And what I tell people or remind people rather is passive income uh, allows you to do a lot of different things, okay? It can expand your lifestyle currently, not later in life, but now. It can free up your time, which is what allowed me to leave the oil and gas gig that I had years ago that that was, quite frankly, not a good fit for me. Uh, it can allow you to be more charitable. It can create a backstop on income in case you lose your job, get laid off, or want to switch careers. It can lessen your stress around finances, and basically, at the end of the day, it can ultimately allow you to live a life on your terms. So there's a big difference between rich and wealthy. I think a lot of people confuse. And rich is all about income. It's that celebrity, that pro athlete, that 
entrepreneur making a million plus per year. I've never envied that because if you turn around and spend all your money, then you're flat broke again and you're starting over from scratch. And statistically speaking, <laughs> most athletes and, and lottery winners and, and a lot of celebrities as well go bankrupt. They go, they go broke. So wealthy is a focus on investing. It has everything to do with your assets. And to me personally, in my definition, it has everything to do with passive income. It has to do with building diversified passive income streams to help support your lifestyle. So just in a nutshell, um, you know, I usually are, I'm talking to those topics with people, depending on where they're at in their journey. And then some people are brand new, just learning terminology and wondering how this stuff works. Other people are 60, 70 years old, done a handful of real estate in the past. They're looking to be more hands-off now and not, you know, flip houses and do the labor portion of it. Yeah, I hear you. There's a surprising number of high income earners who are living paycheck to paycheck, like doctors and lawyers that uh, if they stopped working now, they couldn't pay their mortgage next month. Yeah, there's a good book, Why Doctors Don't Get Rich by Tom Burns. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that's been around for so long. Everyone just assumes that doctors, attorneys and all the rest are, are wealthy people. And in most cases, that's, that's not true. So what mindset do people have to adopt when they're preparing to passively invest? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm a very macro level mindset guy. And so when I started focusing in on this, I, I knew it was like planting seeds. I knew I wasn't just going to have those instant results. This was not a get rich quick thing. This was maybe I'm going to start and get $1,000 per month in passive income. That's not necessarily life-changing. That's not financial freedom. That's not retirement. That's a, a starting goal just to get my feet wet and get going. But then I knew I was inevitably going to build into $5,000 a month passive income, $10,000 a month passive income until I reached a particular goal that I wanted to reach. And it just has to do with self-discipline, focus. And I mean, to your point, most people have kind of the the ADD syndrome. It's the shiny object syndrome. It's you know reading headlines and things change on CNBC on a daily basis, right? We're in a bull market. We're in a bear market. Things are great. Things are terrible. Banks are collapsing. Just kidding. It's fixed. Well, maybe it's not <laughs> fixed. It, you know, it's very wishy washy. So for for a lot of people, it, it is a struggle, including myself, to focus in on one particular niche. And just double down on it. That was probably the best advice anyone ever gave me. One of my mentors years ago, he said, double down on what's working. And at that point in my life, I had launched all these small businesses and all of them were failing or had already failed. Real estate was working. So I doubled down on real estate at that point. And are you primarily invested in multifamily? I am. So th that comes from, again, not general advice for anybody else, but focus the most on what you know and understand the best, because that's going to ultimately limit your risk. Me personally, in the stock market, I've lost a lot of money in the stock market, trying different strategies and options and trading and long term. I always lose money somehow. But I have a buddy of mine that makes a lot of money in the stock market because he spent seven, eight years straight at this point just doubling down on strategies that work for him and growing and expanding that. So for him, that might be the right asset class. For me, it's real estate and it happens to be value add real estate. And that's applicable to anything I've ever done from the single family home that I first bought. It's a 1980s value add two bed, one bath townhome is actually what it was. 
And I've always liked value add because you have two strategies working for you simultaneously. You have the fact that historically real estate prices have appreciated decade over decade, but you also have the ability to force appreciation into the property, even if the market is stagnant or in a slight decline. So to me, that's a little bit more of a risk reduction. So I don't do any new development and things like that. It's always going to be a class C or B uh, value add project. So in multifamily, that's about probably 70% of my portfolio at this point. Yeah. And why do you like multifamily so much? That to me was the next logical leap forward from doing single family, having you know done everything myself and going from townhomes, condos, single family, and, and all these renovations. It just made sense to leap from that into let's go do a, a 200 unit where I don't have to be the expert. I don't have to be the contractor. I don't have to be the landlord or anything like that. I can rely on expert teams that focus on that on a day-to-day -day basis and just piggyback off their success. So I really could just understand on day one that business model and how it works. And I understood the terminology and the fundamentals of real estate. And it, it was just the next leap forward. So after doing a handful of multifamily deals from 2015, 2016, I started to diversify a little bit out into value-add self-storage, value-add mobile home parks. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do in the real estate space, but everything is with a value-add component. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially with the forcing the appreciation and, and uh, amplifying your, your income as a result. So um, uh, how many units do you own right now passively? Yeah, I'm probably co-invested in well, well over 10,000 units. I've done over 50 deals as a limited partner. Um, out of private placements, that is the bulk of what I do, but it's not all that I do. I invest in ATM machines and debt lending funds and publicly traded REITs. And there's a lot of things out there that frankly produce cash flow. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I'm never going to chase something off a cliff to where it literally doesn't make any sense anymore. But at the same time, as long as I can see a fundamental case for, you know, these projections working out, I'm going to keep investing. Okay. Are these done th uh, primarily through syndication? Mostly it's in a syndication model. That could mean one individual deal that's being syndicated, or it could be in a fund model where a group's buying, you know, five or six properties or even two or three properties in a small uh, fund of sorts or a portfolio. Yeah. And how do you find syndication sponsors or fund managers that you want to invest with? Yeah, that's a good question. I always joke, I wish there was like a one-stop shop, you know, kind of like we have Yelp for restaurants, you know, you just go there, you find the five out of fives and there you go. <laughs> but it's really a, a bit more manual labor. So I started with doing uh, small conferences in my local regional area and uh, just real estate meetups and stuff like that. Got involved with a couple large groups that introduced me to the national conferences. And so I started traveling, you know, coast to coast doing these, these big, like, you know, Joe Fairless has the best ever real estate conference. And it's probably 10 a year that I go to, I know bigger pockets does a big one. And I've just found those to be very valuable because you've got a lot of passive investors, a lot of active investors, and a lot of educational content all consolidated in one place. And you can face-to-face -face network, which is my favorite type of networking. So I've probably found the majority of the partnerships that, that I've done through conferences. 
And sometimes it's a word of mouth referral by one or many people. And I'll set up a Zoom call or if I happen to be traveling in their area, I'll, I'll uh, request to meet up with them or do a property tour or something like that. But I really like face-to-face. -face. It gives you a real uh, better gut check on, on somebody. And it's just my form of <laughs> communication. So. And then how do you vet syndication sponsors? Like how can you tell if they're going to be a good match for what you want to invest in? Yeah, I always start with my goals and that's what I recommend for everybody too. You know, is it cash flow you're trying to build? Is it equity you're trying to build? Is it tax advantages that you're trying to reap? Like what what is it you're trying to do? What are your time frames? What are your goals? You got to start there and get pretty clear on that. You don't have to have all the answers, but you need to know what you're doing. Because these partnerships are illiquid and often they're long-term. You know, they could be three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. So the last thing you want to do is go dump 100K over here and then be in a bad partnership for, for 10 years, <laughs> you know? So you start with your goals. And so for me, um, I like passive income. I like tax advantages. And I also like equity upside. But my primary focus is on passive income. So knowing that about myself and knowing my internal goals... I then go seek out operators that have a cash flow emphasis, not this one, two, three percent cash flow for the, the next few years, not a new development deal that's not going to cash flow for four years, something that's cash flowing on day one, ideally that distributes monthly distributions to their investors and reaps tax advantages while I hold and has the potential of equity upside. I've never been a person to rely on equity upside, you know, to to expect that because nobody has a crystal ball. You know, you, I, or all the, the top economists cannot accurately tell you in five years what's happening in the world, what wars are unfolding, what black swan events could come up, what interest rates are going to be. So we have to just guess. And I don't like to base my investments or my goals off of speculation or guessing. So uh, 2015, I created what I call the 8% rule. And it's that I live on 8% cash flow in my portfolio and everything else gets rolled over and turned over. If equity happens, that's great. It pays for taxes. It pays for inflation. It pays for miscellaneous distributions getting cut, whatever happens in the world. And 8% is what I actually use to live on. So simple math is if you have 1.25 million invested at 8% a year passive income, that's 100,000 per year. You can use that as a starting benchmark. If you want to be really conservative and do like U.S. Treasury bonds or something at 4%, then you need $2.5 invested at 4% to get the same outcome. If you think you could do better or you want to do projects on your own, you think maybe I could do 10% a year, million bucks. You know, So that's how I've always engineered my math. It's pretty simple. It doesn't take more than a calculator and maybe an Excel sheet. And uh, some new deals I'm doing today have lower than 8% yield. And some deals I was in for the last five, six, seven years are cash flowing double digits right now. So I'm trying to always average about an 8% aggregate to be conservative. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, that, that way you're not overspending, but you're reinvesting at the same time. So your money is compounding on itself uh, for the long term. It is. And you're not having to sell away your your principal or, or the golden goose. You know, like the traditional Wall Street method is put a million dollars in a, in a IRA. And then when you retire, you, you start selling away your nest egg, right? You sell 50, 60 K a year out of that portfolio. And even when the market's down, like last year, 20, 30%, you, you have to sell. And that's a terrible time to sell. 
<laughs> historically speaking. So I never liked that concept of I have to start selling away my nest egg. So I preserve my capital through real estate and I live off the passive income. Any appreciation is just kind of a bonus on the top. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. And then I'd say also, unlike the IRA, you're not going to outlive your money. Uh, you're, you don't have that as concern anyway. Right. Yeah. So everybody's different, but traditional methodology is the 4% rule, sell off 4% of your, your stocks or whatever. And I just never bought into it. Worked for a large brokerage firm for a while, got licensed, wanted to learn that industry and just thought, you know, it, it, real estate, in my opinion, just has a big upper hand over a lot of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and traditional um, you know, strategies that are that are out there. But again, that's just my opinion. Not saying it's not right for you or anyone else, but I just found um, a, a better path for for me. <laughs> How can you tell whether or not a sponsor is going to do a good job with a particular syndicated deal? That's a tough one, man. It's really tough. And I do my best to do all the due diligence that I can, reasonably speaking, but we have to always be realistic and know that there's a lot of risk out there in different ways. There's the risk of the operator, there's the risk of the market, there's the risk of the deal, and then there's outlying risks like uh, natural disasters, tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, right? Insurance, property tax going up, political risk. There's a lot of risks. So to me, the biggest risk, in my own opinion, is the operator and their ability to execute the business plan that they're proposing to you. How conservative are they being in their underwriting? Do they have past experience doing this? What is their track record? On and on and on. Now, doesn't mean everybody has to be super experienced or have a long track record for me to partner with them. I've done a, a lot of student deals. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I've done a handful of student deals and people's first, second, third deals. I like to give people a chance, you know, and if I know them personally and I trust them and I think they're a stand-up character that's going to do everything they can to make it right, I'm not opposed to it. But what I ideally like to see is, we only do this particular niche right here. We only do that in these particular markets. And we've done it 50 times in a row. And we have an awesome track record to show you. And we haven't lost people's money. I mean, that's in a perfect world. That's that's the operator I want to partner with. Very good. So while you're working as the director of investor education at Ashcroft, what, you know, what, uh, what essentially does your role involve? Yeah. So I, you know, first I was an investor with Joe Fairless and Ashcroft for many years. And when Joe had his daughter, Quinn, his firstborn, I knew he didn't want to be out on the road and traveling and away from home and doing all these speaking engagements. And meanwhile, that was kind of my next step that I wanted to enter into. So I just approached him over a, uh, <laughs> a video message on my iPhone over a Saturday and I'm like, Joe, you know me, I know you, one of your investors, you know, I said, look, I'd love to help out your team, add value wherever I can. These are the things I'm looking to do. And so I came on board, long story short, as director of investor relations, because that's really what they needed was an investor relations department, because Joe was fielding 100% of all the calls and being a general partner and doing everything else. So um, so we hired a guy, uh, Evan Pulowski. He hired a bunch of people under him. I helped build out that whole platform and department. And then I got to become director of investor education. And that's really my, my ultimate fulfillment. It's being able to travel around, doing speaking events, doing workshops, doing property tours, doing podcasts. 
I run a show called Passive Investor Tips on Joe's uh, best ever real estate investing advice podcast platform every week. And it's just short, consolidated, you know, five to eight minute clips of tips, tricks, uh, strategies, formulas for passive investors. So to me, that's, I've always been that guy, even as far back as high school, I wrote a little book <laughs> for my senior year of high school, not because I had to, it wasn't a school project. It wasn't to make money. It wasn't to get popular. I wrote a book to help people improve their GPA. And I was just writing down the tips, tricks, and strategies that helped me in my senior year boost my GPA. And I wanted to share that with other people. So ultimately to to, to get paid to do what you love to do is the ultimate goal. And that gets back to passive income and having kind of that work optional lifestyle. Many of us don't necessarily want to quit working. We just want to do work that's fulfilling and meaningful. So that's kind of what my role is in a nutshell. Excellent. And the best ever podcast, uh, I highly recommend it. So everybody should check that out. Thank you. Yeah. So um, what's a problem that you encountered with a real estate investment and how was it handled? Oh man, there's been several. So uh, some recent examples were, um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of adjustable rate, floating rate debt that people have been acquiring since 2020, 2021, 2022, right before interest rates started to really go up aggressively. A lot of people didn't believe the Fed. And if they did believe the Fed that they were going to raise rates, they thought, oh, they'll do it, but it'll be very mild and it'll be over several years. Well, they, <laughs> they went the fastest and most aggressive that they've ever gone in U.S. history. So um, if you had adjustable loans, hopefully you had an interest rate cap, number one. But if you did have an interest rate cap, it was usually only two years or three years out, and then it was going to expire. And that's starting to unfold right now. So a lot of these deals from 2021, especially, we had all-time high real estate pricing. We had all-time low interest rates. And then we had these floating adjustable loans before the interest rates went up. So uh, a lot of distributions have been reduced or have been paused so that these operators can reset their debt structure. So that gets back to how conservative was the underwriting. I didn't make 100% of the, the right decisions on every deal. So I'm in a situation with some paused distributions right now. Um, and one other example from years and years ago before all that debacle, uh, we bought a good, good deal, in my opinion, good solid property, B-class value add, Atlanta, Georgia, um, growing market, good time in the market. It was probably 2016 or so. So it's about to hit a big, you know, uptrend here and and growth. But the operator um, was new <laughs> to the space, didn't know how to execute the business plan. This was the largest property they'd ever purchased, and frankly, they got maybe 10, 15 percent through the value add renovations and realized it was a ton of work. They didn't know what they were doing. They were hiring the wrong people. They were overspending. They had a bad property management group and they ended up selling the deal because they they didn't feel like they could finish out the business plan. So our projected returns of like, say, 20 percent IRR turned into more like, you know, nine or 10 percent returns or something like that. So, um, you know, I put about a 50 percent emphasis on the operator. And coincidentally, we ended up with about 50% of our projected returns because the operator failed to execute properly. So lots of risk, lots of things can happen. So the best thing I've ever found uh, to mitigate it is to diversify. So I never put too much into any one deal. I just do a lot of deals with, you know, 50 to, to 100K, but that depends on your liquidity and net worth personally. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Are you ready for a speed round? Let's do it. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? Ooh, 
the expansion of lifestyle. So even if you're getting started today with one investment, you put 50K to work, you get 300 bucks a month. Think about 300 bucks as you could outsource your landscaping. You could get a couple massages that month. You know, there, there's things you can do on day one to help expand your lifestyle, to get rid of pain points and to move towards your goals and pleasure. What do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Man, I wish I knew that that private placements and syndications were even an option. You know, I spent six and a half years grinding it out, very naive, not very knowledgeable, no mentorship, no coaching, no conferences. I was just out there trying to figure it out, making a ton of mistakes, blowing money left and right, dealing with with bad contractors. And I just wish I, I had started earlier into building up passive income. What's a book that you can recommend to other investors? There's uh Justin Donald, I think is the writer, the the lifestyle investor. So it has a lot to do with what we're talking about, expanding your lifestyle through passive income. That's a great book. Excellent. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Yeah. So reach out on your social media medium, basically. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Passive Investor Tips. That's the name of my podcast. And I'm on Bigger Pockets. I'm on LinkedIn, Travis Watts. And if you want to get on my calendar, no upsell. I don't have any programs or books to sell you, but uh, you can go to ashcroftcapital.com forward slash Travis. Happy to have a 15 minute call and dive deeper on any of these topics if I can add value. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Uh, I can is more important than IQ. I'm not the smartest guy by a long shot, but man, if you can just put in some perseverance, a little bit of willpower, stick it out. Um, it is a rewarding journey and you will have far more than, than most people. If you can stick this out for the long haul, that's just investing in general. Very good. Well, I appreciate all the value that you've offered us today and have a great rest of your day, Travis. Thank you, Matt. Thanks everyone. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.